Welcome to Soul Rio, a church where God is made center, families made stronger, and lives restored. Today's sermon is entitled, Finding My Place, Where's the Missing Peace? Presented by Pastor Floyd Silva on November 13, 2016. Uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke this morning as we continue in our series, Luke chapter 15. If you want to go ahead and mark your spot right there. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I asked you a question. I asked you to, to think about an individual that maybe has gone his or her own way, that, that isn't walking with Jesus. So I want you to kind of get that person back in your mind. And, and I hope you've been praying for those individuals. I hope you've been spending time in the presence of God on, on behalf of those individuals. Because this morning, uh, Jesus is going to give us a, a little bit of a picture of, of what the Father's love looks like uh, for those that are lost or those that we would call sinners um, you know, I, I think about my own life and I, and I think about all the things that, that I've seen and experienced in, in my life. And early on, um, there were many great people that, that modeled things and, and did things in my life to show me love and, and uh, acceptance and uh, God's unfailing grace. You know, there's a time and a, a season early on when I used the circumstances of my life and a lot of the, the things that happened um, to me and to others around me in my life to, to cause me to do and, and behave in certain ways. You know, I, I, I made the choice at an early age to go my own way, even though I had a mother who really shared the good news of Jesus Christ with me on a daily basis, even though she shared the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. I, I made that choice myself to, to walk away from the riches that God had offered me and uh, just live a life that was just unreflective of, of who God was in my life at that time. You know, there, there are many of us in, in, in times and in seasons in our life uh, based on the circumstances, based on what's going on around us in the world that we choose to go our own way. We choose to, to follow a path that we think is the best path for us because we see something there. We, we grasp onto something there that we think is gonna fulfill or satisfy a need in our lives. You know, I, I think if there's one common ground for every human here on this earth is that we all seek to fulfill a need. The need may be different, but we all pursue and seek to fulfill some type of need in our lives. I think where we fall short is that we look to the wrong things or the wrong people to fulfill those needs. We, we should be looking to our God. We should be looking to our Heavenly Father because He is the only one that can fulfill and meet all of our needs. He's the only one that we can find our greatest pleasure and our greatest joy in. There's nothing that this world can offer us. There's nothing that this world can give us that can meet that need. See, we were created just like that. God had a very intentional mindset when he created that puzzle that we talk about that is the family of God. This big puzzle and every single individual piece that's a part of that puzzle has been shaped and created so specific for that puzzle. But the commonality again is that 
that we all have a need. We have a space that we're trying to fill. And we do it differently. You know, there's no question that, that my sin is different than your sin in the sense of that it's my sin. My sin is no better or no worse than your sin, but it is my sin. And then those moments when I sin, it, again, it just comes back to the aspect of me trying to fulfill a need. See, there was a point in my life that, that, that I understood and began to grasp the aspect that I was searching for something, that I was trying to fulfill a need in my life. I realized that in my life, I was angry. And not only was I angry, but I was very insecure because of some of the circumstances, some of the things in my own life that, that had transpired and had gone on. You know, extending factors or outer factors in my life. So, but what it came down to for me, the turning point, that pivot point for me in my life is, was just simply that I had to come to a place and an understanding that, that there was nothing that could satisfy the needs that I had except for my loving Savior, Jesus Christ. See, some would say that, that you have to hit bottom to realize that. And I love, a friend of mine said it one day, and I think this is perfect way to say it because we think about individuals that have gone their own way and you wonder, have they hit rock bottom yet? You know, what is the bottom for them? And my friend said it just simply like this, everybody's bottom is different. You got that? No pun intended. See, it is, it's true. You know, for, for me, it took something very specific to get my attention. For you, it's going to take someone or something or a moment in your life to grab you and hold you to say, hey, you know what? I need to make a change in my life because I, I'm, I'm looking for something that I'm not ever going to find in this world. And the only place that I can find that is in, in Jesus Christ in a heavenly father that loves me so well and so good that he'll never give up on me or never forget who I am or never stop pursuing me. See, isn't that the, the beautiful thing about God's love is that his pursuit is relentless? I, mean, I don't know where you guys come from. I, I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've experienced in your lifetime. But if it's anything like everybody else's, I'm sure you've had hard moments. I'm sure you've wrestled with your faith. I'm sure you've wrestled through, through moments where you just wonder, why? Why am I here? Why do I struggle with this? Why do I have this in my life right now? See, we're, we're no different. We all have those moments. But here's where the difference comes in. Here's where the aspect of the puzzle begins to kind of take, take its shape because as we put the pieces together of the puzzle, as we fill our place, as we take our role, our position in that puzzle, in that beautiful picture of, of God's kingdom, see, we begin to realize that, that we, as individuals, are the missing piece. See, because the puzzle will never be complete unless we take our place in that puzzle. See, God's intention, his pursuit is to help us not only to take our place, but to find our place. 
to take those things in that shape and all those things that God has done in our lives to help us understand where we belong and why we belong there. God is good that way. He's amazing that way. And this morning in our passage, in this parable of the prodigal son, which really it's more of a a parable of a loving father because the picture that it creates is that of a loving father. We're going to get a better understanding of our part in not only helping others, the other missing pieces, but hopefully we'll get an understanding of our part in what God is doing, not only in our lives, but in the lives of those that are around us. Will you pray with me before we read? Father, we, we thank you for this morning, Father. We thank you for this parable. We thank you for this story that, that Jesus so illustrated so well for us. Lord, I, I pray that this moment, at this time, as we read these words, as we hear and we see and we visualize what you are trying to tell us, Father, that we would understand and know this great love that you have for us. Father, sometimes it's just hard to comprehend. With the busiest busyness of life, with all the turmoil and all the things that are going on, we, it's so easy to lose sight of, of your love and your grace. Lord, but this morning we do as we just said we, as we sang the song. Lord, we surrender all. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you, our bodies, our souls, all that we are to you. Lord, speak to our hearts. Help us to understand and see more clearly how important we are and how important each other, each and every person in this room is to you. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we do it all in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Well, we're going to look at the parable of the prodigal son in chapter 15, the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to start reading in verse 11. And we're going to read 11 through 24. And so we're going to kind of cut the story a little short. But really what happens here as we kind of get into the story is that the son, the younger of the two, comes to his father and he asks him for his inheritance. He says, Dad, can I have what is due me? And his father says, okay, I'll give it to you. And then Jesus says this. He says, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Something that I I want us to note here in verse 17, what it says here. It says that the the young man came to his senses. See, he came to himself. He, He began to understand it was that critical pivot point in his life. He understood that he was seeking out satisfaction and joy in the things of this world. And he realized that all that he had learned, all that his father had taught him as a young man, and it says that he came to his senses. See, that's, that's an important part for you and I to understand. It's an important part for those that are around us that have gone their own way for them to understand that, that we have to come to that place. We have to come to that, that bottom where we sit there and we realize that there's nothing in this world that will ever meet our needs or ever satisfy us in the way that, that God our Father can satisfy us. See, this was his starting point. See, at this point, he is making a decision. He is choosing the love of his father. And the story draws us this really beautiful picture, a beautiful picture of things that we can do to help those that are around us, to help ourselves grow in this love, to understand this love that God has for us, especially when we decide or they've decided to go their own way. And the first thing that that we see here comes out of verse 20. It's just simply to to love them intentionally. See, I, I use the word intentionally because we have to be intentional about how we love. See, typically for most of us, we don't wake up in the morning and we don't tell ourselves, oh, I'm gonna love someone today. I'm gonna go out and love people. And if you do say that, Praise God, you got it figured out. See, we have to be intentional about it. You know, I realized something as I was preparing for this message this week that I used to do something very specific and I've actually forgotten about this specific thing that I've done or used to do. Every morning when I'd wake up and I'd spend time with God, I would pray, I would say, God, help me to love my family intentionally. Help me to be intentional. I would use that word intentional about my love for my wife and my kids and my family members. And what that did for me is that made me think about how I love throughout the day. It made me more intentional about doing the things that God has called me to do and that's simply to love my neighbor. See, in verse 20, Jesus tells us, he says, he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. And I love this. When his father sees him, it says, he felt compassion and he ran and embraced him and he kissed him. See, this father loved his child. And not only did this father show his love for this child by how he supported him and provided for him, he showed him his love by intentionally doing things that helped his son to understand that he truly did love him. See, this man's love for his son was intentional. 
And when he saw his son coming back, when he saw his son coming towards him, I love how Jesus paints this picture. He says he had compassion on his son. He had compassion for him. And listen to the response out of that compassion, what he does. See, because you and I, this man could have responded in in numerous of ways, right? You know, I have two kids and they're wonderful kids, but you know what? They mess up. They make mistakes. And there's moments that, that they'll tell you when they make those mistakes that daddy comes down pretty hard. Daddy says, whoa, stop. And I don't always say the right things or do the right things. But right here, if we love intentionally, then I think the first thing that we need to do when we see our kids coming back, when we see those that, are, that we care about and that we love coming back, We should love them intentionally. And it starts with compassion. It starts by us seeing them through God's lenses, through God's eyes. See, because typically, instinctively, we just don't do that. But Jesus tells us something different. He gives us a picture of God's love for us. When we come back to God, God has compassion on us. He sees us in a way that that we probably will never, ever see ourselves. He understands us. That's why the Bible tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. See, God created us so unique. He created us so we would fit just perfectly in this puzzle. And yeah, it is puzzling to really understand and comprehend this intentional love that God has for you and I. See, this, at this point, the son realizes, I gotta imagine how he felt and what he wondered when his dad just hugged him and kissed him. You know, there was moments in my life <clears throat> when I got into a lot of trouble at home. And sadly enough, I was really good at getting out of trouble. You know, we, we were having dinner with my mom this last week and, and uh, we were talking about some of the things we did as kids, my brother and I, and, and she's so sweet and so innocent. My mom's just wonderful. I love her to death. She looks over across the table at me and she says, you never picked those fights, huh? You were innocent, huh? In other words, she saw me with God's eyes. I could do no wrong. I was this wonderful little child, you know, perfect in all things, you know, <laughs> fearfully and wonderfully made. But honestly, that wasn't the truth. I did pick a lot of those fights. I did cause a lot of that trouble. See, but my wife, my, my, my mom saw me with compassion. She sees me with compassion. She loves me intentionally. And that's what the picture that Jesus is drawing here for us and how this son felt as he was coming back to his father. He felt this compassion. This man was filled with compassion as he saw his son coming back. See, and in that compassion, this love, it's intentional, it's gentle, and it offers grace. See, that's a picture of God's love for you and I. It's very intentional. It's very compassionate. And it offers you and I grace. It's an amazing thing to understand. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 4. It tells us to love and why we love. 
verse 7 and 8, it says, The end of all things is at hand. I want you to underline that. The end of all things is at hand. Because I want that to be a reminder for all of us. It says, Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Did you catch that part? See, keep yourself right with God because it, it affects your prayers, the prayers of a righteous man. Then he says, keep loving one another earnestly. Earnestly. Because that love will cover a multitude of sins. That love will make a difference in a person's life. When you love that person, you will make a difference in their life. You will gain something. You will gain their trust. You will gain their, their, their hearts. You will gain the opportunity to just sit there and listen to the struggles. You will gain so much by loving somebody. See, Peter gives us this urgency. He says, let's not give up hope. Let's pray. Let's love them. And let's trust that God will bring them back. God will use that love to cover up their sins, to to help them understand their sins. Jude, verse 21 through 23 says, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life and have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. See, we see here that God won't give up. His pursuit is relentless and ours should be the same. I had a friend tell me one time, He says, is there anybody in your life that doubts who Jesus Christ is? And I thought about that question for a moment. And I honestly didn't answer correctly. I said, no, I don't don't think there is. I don't think there's anybody in my life right now that, that seriously doubts who Jesus Christ is. And he looked at me and he says, I want you to really think about that question. I want you to really think about it. And I want you to read this passage in Jude because there's going to be a moment in your life, whether it be a family member, whether it be a friend, whether it be a coworker, where you're going to have a conversation. And you may not know it at this point, but there are going to be individuals in your life that doubt who Jesus Christ truly is. And he said this, he said, for the very simple fact that Jesus Christ claimed to be God in flesh. See, because as humans, it's hard for us to understand that. You know, we have enough trouble understanding how much God loved us, and then we have to move ourselves to the place where we see that Jesus Christ was an example of that love, and in that love that God shared with us through his son, he revealed to us himself. Now, if that wouldn't bring a doubt to someone's mind, I don't know what wouldn't. It's because Jesus is making a huge claim. 
But the great thing that we have here is that God is helping us understand what our role and our responsibility is, those for, that have gone their own way, that those that might be doubting, and because of that doubt, they're moving. He says, love them intentionally. Love them so much that you would do whatever it takes to pull them out of the fire and do it with mercy and fear, hating even the stained garment that they wear right now. Hating the sin that they're involved in. See, because when we do that, when we love the person intentionally, but we hate the sin that has ensnared them, we'll do what I believe he's telling us to do next. We'll accept them unconditionally. Verse 21 and 22 in Luke 15 The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Do you notice kind of how that passage just kind of goes? (laughs) You know, it tells us that the son comes to him and says, Father, I've sinned against you in heaven, against the God that we worship. I have sinned against him and I've also sinned against you. And then the father's response is simply, put a robe on this young man, put the family ring on him and give him some shoes. Do you see what Jesus is telling us here? He's drawing us a picture of acceptance. And I think it's something that we in our lifetime have to really think about because we live in a culture that wrestles and struggles through that word of tolerance and acceptance and we don't as believers truly understand what that means and how that applies to our life. We wrestle and we struggle with that, don't we? Because we don't want to be intolerant to people. We want to show them love but we also want to stand for what we believe in, our faith and our hope and who Jesus Christ is as the Son of God, right? Well, Matthew 11, 28 says it like this. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, Jesus is saying something specific here. And there's a problem that you and I have to address because we don't clearly understand what acceptance means. So either we go to this extreme or to that extreme. So we have someone in our life that's living in sin, whether it be sexual impurity, whether it be fornication, whether it be lying, slandering, whether it be, you name it, there's a lot of them, all right? So we'll go to one side of it or or the other. We'll, We'll jump to this side and say, Get out of my life. I don't want anything to do with you because you're in sin. Go away from me. Or we jump to the other side of the fence and we say, you know what? God loves everybody. So you come with me and that's okay. You do what you need to do. God loves you. God loves me. And I'll tell you this morning, it's my opinion from what I read in God's word that that kind of acceptance, both of those, are absolutely wrong. And it's not me that you have to argue with. 
I would challenge you to argue with God's word. See, the love that God is showing us here, the intentional acceptance that God is showing us here is saying that, hey, I love you as a human. I love you as God's creation. I love you as man or woman or child, whoever you are. But I cannot stand and and love your sin. But I tell you what, because I love you so much that that I will walk with you on this journey. I will help you to understand that the love that God has for you and, and, and that he'll help you to take that stained garment off and he'll give you a new robe. He'll bring you back into the family and he'll put sandals on your feet and he'll slaughter the best pig and we'll all celebrate because he loves us. But God won't leave us where we're at. God will never say, come as you are and I'll leave you as you are. God will always say, come as you are, let me love you and I'll show you this love and you'll truly love me after you get an understanding of this love. See, there's a difference there. There's a tension that we have to struggle with as believers when it comes to accepting unconditionally. See, we have to have acceptance We cannot separate ourselves from the world. We separate ourselves from the sin and we move away from the sin, but we love the person. We love the individual. And I think that as believers, we need to grow in that. We need to come to a better understanding of that and what that means. So that way we're not on the extreme this way or on the extreme this way so that we're right where God wants us. As his believers. See, Jesus has given us this story to help us understand that this father loved his son so much that even though his son said, hey, I have sinned and I ask for forgiveness, his son, his father said, you know what? All is well. All is well. Welcome back into the family. See, he accepted him right where he stood and he loved him. See, we have to understand that even like in this story, God tells us that we need to come to our senses. We need to come to ourselves. And we need to understand our role and our place in this puzzle. Isaiah chapter one, verse 18 says it like this. This is God speaking. He says, come now, let us reason together. Come to your senses, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. See, that's a picture of God accepting us in our sin. That's a picture of God saying, come as you are. But that's also a picture of God saying, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm not going to allow you to stay as a slave to all of these sins. He says, I'm going to wash you and I'm going to cleanse you and I'm going to make you a new creation. See, acceptance says, I love you because you're my child. God made you and I love you. You know, I I grew up in a home. My dad didn't show love. My dad didn't say, I love you. Um, 
I don't, I don't remember hearing that very often from my father. But I tell you today, I will not use that as a crutch. I will not use that as an excuse not to tell my kids I love them, not to show them love. And I think men in this room, young and old, I want to challenge you with this. Don't be afraid to love. Don't be afraid to tell your children that you love them. No matter what or how you were brought up, don't be afraid to hug your child. Don't be afraid to give them a kiss and remind them how important they are to you and how important they are in God's kingdom. I think we need to do more of that in this time, in this place, at this moment. See, that's what God's love does for us. It reminds us that no matter what we do, no matter where we've been, no matter the mistakes that we have made, God will love us. And he accepts us unconditionally. He accepts us just as we are, but he will never leave us in that same place. His desire isn't to leave us in our sin. And we sing songs that talk about the chains that bind us, the chains of slavery, the sin. We, we see in Exodus the story of the Israelites and how they were freed from this bondage of slavery. And that's another great picture of the freedom that we get through Christ Jesus. See, we are free from this sin. We have victory in Jesus' name because he accepts us and he loves us. Well, our last point this morning is that we should also forgive them completely. Verse 23 and 24 says, this is the father speaking. He says, bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. See, what I like about this father, this picture Jesus is showing us is that he didn't rub it in. He didn't say, well, son, you, you kind of messed up, you know, so I'm going to, you know, get a, get a, you know, maybe a younger pig or something less. You know, this father was ready to celebrate. It's almost as if yesterday was gone and today was new and he's like, so what? Let's celebrate. My son has returned. So I, I got to imagine that God feels the same way about you and I. When we come back from our own place, from our own mess, and we turn to God and we say, God, I surrender all. I give everything to you. I got to imagine that God, he just, he rejoices. The heavens declare. The angels sing. See, that's what this picture that Jesus is drawing for us. It's a declaration of, of my pursuit for my son and my love for my son and my acceptance to him and for him. And because of that, he's come home. And now I need to make sure that I show him forgiveness. See, and that's the tough part. That's the hard part that as humans we struggle with. See, not only does, does the son need forgiveness, the Father needs it too. See, not, not only do, do you need forgiveness, but, but 
I need forgiveness too. See, we need to know and we need to feel confidence in the fact that we can approach the throne of grace. And the only reason that we can approach the throne of grace, the only reason we can walk into God's presence is because of one person. And that is Jesus Christ. See, Jesus says it simply this way. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through who? Jesus Christ. See, that's our forgiveness. That's the hope that we have. That's the confidence that this son had as he came to his father and he sought forgiveness. He knew and he had a confidence that his father was going to forgive him. I tell you what, if you have ever messed up, if you have ever done something wrong in the workplace or wherever you're at, how often did you feel confident to go to your supervisor or someone that oversaw you who was in charge? How often did you feel comfortable to go to that person and say, hey, I messed up. I'm sorry. I want you to think about that, okay? And not only that, I want you to think about why did you feel so comfortable going to that person? If you did at all. See, the reason that we can feel confident and and know that we can go into the presence of God and seek forgiveness, because God has earned our trust. God has done things in our life. He has orchestrated moments. He has brought us to a place where we know and we trust because of his son, Jesus Christ, because of what he did for us, what we will celebrate again over and over every weekend. Next week when we have communion, when we do this in remembrance of We trust in the fact of who Jesus Christ is. We trust in the fact that because of Jesus Christ, we can come into the presence of the Father and we find forgiveness, we find healing, and we find love, we find unconditional acceptance, and God will forgive us completely. Again, in verse 22, it says, He put a robe around him, a ring on his finger, shoes on his feet, See, in this culture, Jesus knew that this was a big sign of being a part of God's family. This, to the Jewish people, illustrated what it meant to be a part of the family and how important it was. The robe was a symbol of authority. The ring was better than a credit card. It it showed something. It showed that he belonged And the coolest thing, in my opinion, the shoes on the feet symbolize that he was no longer a slave, that he was a part of the family. I want to tell you this morning, if if you are that missing piece, if someone around you is that missing piece, God wants to give you this free gift God wants to put this robe around you. He wants to put the ring on your finger and he wants to put the shoes on your feet. And it's simply because he loves you and he cares about you. Will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I want you to listen to these last couple of passages that come out of 1 John. 
And I want you to know that, that God is waiting for you. God is waiting for these individuals. God is pursuing you. And just as important, God is pursuing those around you that have gone their own way. 1 John 1, 9 says this. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. He says, come as you are, but I won't leave you where you are. 1 John three sixteen says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay our lives down. For the brothers. Father, we, we thank you so much for this reminder of your love. Lord, it, though we know it is the story of a, a son that has gone his own way, that has left his father and left all his inheritance and squandered it, he's given up on his journey to you, Father, and he's created his own path. Father, this is more a picture of your love for us, a picture that reminds us, even though we have gone our own way, even though we have done our own things, even we, though we have chosen our own path, Father, that, that your love is, is just so intentional, it's so great. And Lord, that your, your love is, and acceptance is, is unconditional. Lord, and your forgiveness is complete. It's complete because, because of your son, Jesus Christ. It's complete because of what Jesus did for me and for all people. Father, this morning, I pray that, that if there's an individual in here that hasn't made that choice, hasn't hit that, that place, Father, that you would just pursue them in a way, that you would remind them this morning that they're here, they're now and in this moment is because that you want to, to touch them and to hold them and to keep them. That you want to wrap your loving arms around them and hug them. Father, I thank you for just all the reminders you give us in your word, all the promises that we have through your word and through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for us as a nation. I pray for us as a people, Father, that, that we would go out into our communities and we would be bold, Father, bold in our love, bold in our grace. And most importantly, Father, that we would be bold in our truth, that we would stand for what is right. And Father, what is right comes out of your word, your holy scriptures. Father, that not only that we would we would learn it, that we would love it, but that we would live it. And Lord, when we do that, and as we do that, Father, we know that, that people will trust us because they'll see things in our lives that they've never seen before. And Lord, maybe we can be the difference. Maybe we can be a part of what you're already doing in so many lives. Lord, I just thank you so much for your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and what he showed us and what he did for us on that cross. And I pray today would be a day of a new beginning, that we would be reminded of our place, and that we would be reminded of our faith, and that we would own that faith, and we would help others to do the same. 
Lord, we love you and we praise you and we do it all in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we pray you were blessed by today's message. You're invited to worship with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. For directions and information about Soul Rio and our weekly events, please visit our website at soulrio.com. You may also contact us by phone at area code 505-792-8737 or email us at info at soulrio.com. At Soul Rio, we're a community of followers of Jesus Christ, committed to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope to our community. We invite you to go with us on this journey.